You are now listening to the sound of... What is that, Vivaldi? I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's... Maybe. I think that's Vivaldi Four Seasons is what I was just doing. But the point is... You are listening to a very hoity-toity episode of the Booketing. Er, ooh, sorry, sanity, sound of sanity. So hoity-toity, I can't even remember the name of the show. Well, there's a reason I made that Freudian slip, folks, because this is a little segment we like to do on our show, as of now, called Sanity Shelf. Yeah, that's what it's called. Sanity Shelf. It's where we look on the bookshelves of the three guys on Sound of Sanity, and we see... What we've been reading. I, th- I dare say we more look on the night tables of the three guys. We sneak into their bedrooms. We look on their night tables. We see what we've been reading. Basically, what I'm trying to say is this is an episode where we talk about what we've been reading lately. Wait, the- what are we talking about? Well, Jake, I'm glad you asked. This is a little segment called Sanity Shelf. Yes. And What do we talk about? We talk about books that we've been reading lately. <laughs> Books that have been bringing a little sanity into our lives, and maybe they can bring some sanity into your lives, too. Thanks, so, Dr. Buckles. listen along, and <laughs> you might just learn a thing or two, folks. Maybe you'll pick up some suggestions for things you want to read, but you don't have to take my word for it. Dun-dun-dun! Hey, let's introduce our panel. We've got Nathan. I'm your humble and obedient host. We've got, uh, oh boy, I'm blanking on his name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it for you. His name is Ben. His name is Ben Sulcer. Ben, he got the it. Preacher who's a teacher of sanity. The preacher who's a teacher wow. of sanity. And Ben, do you remember the name of the person who just introduced you? I do. It's Jake. He's the pastor who's a master of sanity. All right. The OG pastor the, on this show. The OG. The OG. <laughs> Ben's more of a new G, but that's okay. That's right. That's okay. We take OG, we take NG, we take all kinds here. That's the sound of sanity. Guarantee. All right. Speaking of guarantees, I guaranteed people, as you guys may remember, that we would be talking about none other than our favorite <laughs> books today. Our favorite books? <laughs> our favorite books? <laughs> no, we'd be talking about... What we're going to do is take a journey onto the sanity shelves and talk about what we've been reading lately. So, Ben, what have you been reading lately, my friend? Nathan, lately I've been reading this uh, book on negotiation called Never Split the Difference by a guy named Chris Foss, who's a former FBI uh, hostage negotiator. Pretty interesting book. You, yeah. want me, you want me just to, to tell you some cool things about it? Or am I, are we going to all go around? And what's the format here? That's a great question. What do you guys think? Let's all introduce our books and then we can talk about okay. each one. All right. So have you been reading anything else that you wish to... Throw on the table today. I I only came prepared to discuss one book, Nathan. But I've I've been reading Calvin's Institutes. It's awesome. But oh, yeah, well, what what is there to pro- say? Yeah, I don't know. It's good. It's we really approve. good. Yeah, it's helpful. Me and my wife decided we were going to read that at our dinner table because that's how I like intellectually <laughs> stimulating and awesome our household is. And I think we maybe did it once. All right. So, Jake, what book did you come prepared or books? Well, if it's books, I'm. I think I'm literally reading 12 right now that I'm dabbling in. But the one that I have been spending the most time in lately and that I am, I don't know, was I supposed to come prepared to talk about it? Jake, you were born prepared to talk about this right. book. Yeah. <laughs> was I? Yeah. Yeah. You, they, some pretty sure your mom put headphones on with the Audible of this book playing because Audible definitely existed back Audible when you were existed a baby. and this book was totally written and I'm 
three years old. Yep, yep. Or in, two years old or whatever it is. In utero. The book that I've been listening to quite a bit lately, I still have about two hours left of it, is called Breath by James Nestor. Breath by James Nestor. Wow, you guys are some interesting fellows. We it's got a book the, here. The uh, subtitle is The New Science of a Lost Art. The New Science of a Lost Art. Pretty yeah. good subtitle. Yeah, this is going to give you a new window into Jake today, folks. Just like you'll get a new window into Ben's hardcore negotiating tactics. That's or maybe I'm it's a place where it. they both feel bad. Maybe Ben feels bad about negotiating and Ben feel, or Jake feels bad about breathing. I don't know. We'll find out. Could be. I apparently feel bad about public speaking because I've been listening to Dale Carnegie's book on public speaking. I love Dale Carnegie books, and we will talk more about that. I've also been reading or listening to Nikolai Gogol's Dead Souls, but I think I'm going to stop because it's really boring. And mm -hmm. it's like a Dickens book where you cut out all the parts with likable characters. <laughs> it's like if you take every Dickens movie you've watched where some idiot is like some boorish guy is guzzling ale and taking bites of mutton and saying, all right, Mrs. Tumbley, you know, <laughs> how much do you want for Ebe old Ebenezer's bed curtains? If you take all those absolutely unpleasant and deplorable scenes from Dickens and you put them into one book that's just that scene over and over and over again as this guy goes around and he's like, can I buy your dead souls? Well, first, let me pick some mutton out of my teeth. That's Dead Souls by, by <laughs> Nikolai Gogol. So, <laughs> stirring <Okay>. recommendation. <laughs> I don't recommend it at all. Uh, I've also been reading a Stephen King book on my Kindle just to have something at night that words will go from a, albeit digital page, in my brain. I do so much listening. I just decided, you know what, Nathan, you should try and keep your mind limber and able to absorb from directly from text to brain. And so let's choose something super low bar and just whatever the latest pot boiler is that you might be interested in. So I put the latest pot boiler on my Kindle and I don't think I'm going to finish it because it's, it's crap, but I feel the, an intense desire to find some kind of text to brain thing just to keep that muscle every, every like every once a year, I'll be like, Oh shoot, I should not let that muscle atrophy. And then I'll read, I think the last time it was literally, <laughs> literally, not metaphorically middle bar. So it's just like, I, I should read something big and complicated and just like make sure. And this time I didn't do that. And I probably should have actually, I should have done something more complicated. I tried to set a low bar for myself so that it would be easy. But instead the low bar was so unstimulating and boring that, you know, when you have a brain like mine, it just requires a certain level of intense stimulation. So Ben, tell us all about the things you've learned from ne negotiating from this Chris Voss guy who I constantly Facebook is showing me little clips of his masterclass and trying yeah, to get me, me to buy it. Huh. Uh, and he's mirroring. It's a thing. Mirroring. You can mirror. I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah, well. Is that what he's like? Yep. Well, I haven't seen those clips, but sounds like things he talks about in his book. He's, he's going to tell you all kinds of stuff about how to get what you want and how to, I mean, he's, he's taking lessons from hostage negotiations, but it, it, it's it's stuff like how do you negotiate a lower price for a car at a car lot is what a lot of it a lot of it comes to but it's it's really cool and interesting because it's things that some people do naturally for instance the mirroring mm. thing that is that's a big deal and that's that i i had already heard that in 
conflict resolution training, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It, I, I remember a, a weekend at a Christian conference sort of thing, and the man and the woman leading the thing role-played the conflict and how to resolve it, active listening. You repeat back to someone else what they just said to you, and then that makes them feel heard because you're hearing them and you're repeating back what they say, and then the whole tone of the conflict comes down a notch, and that person's more open to you. And it's, it's, that's, that's a useful thing, and mirroring is kind of like that, except it's shorter form. You repeat, you know, the one to three most significant words of what someone else just said to you. Most significant words. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's just like someone says something and maybe they're really angry. I want, I want a million dollars and a car, or these hostages are all going to die. And you say, I'm sorry, you want a million dollars in a car? And you, you, you're not, you don't use sarcasm, you, you don't use aggression, you just, you just indicate I'm polite and I'm open. I'm trying to understand what you want. And then they'll always expand back to you with different words. Yeah, and I want this and that, and you just can keep going like that. And so there's, there's mirroring, there's open-ended questions, there's the open-ended question he starts the book with is, is when someone asks you for something terrible like, I want a million dollars in a car or I'll kill all three of my hostages. You say, I'm sorry, how can, I, how can I do that? Except you don't just say that, but you say a form of that question. So, for instance, one of, one of, one of the lessons in this hostage book, which was really cool, was the FBI used to negotiate by saying, well, we can't, we can't give you that. Give us evidence that those three hostages are still alive, you know, that, that, that one of them is still alive. And that that leads to some interesting friction and, you, you know, you're trying to get this evidence and you're trying to f- kind of force them. So, one, one thing that they learned is the way to get that evidence is, is to make it the hostage taker's problem and say, hey, I mean, how, hey man, how do I even know these three hostages are still alive? And then suddenly you're asking them, hey, could you help me solve my problem? Here's all the power. You have it all. How do I know they're still alive? You just keep coming back with that. And it stumps people because, one, they feel heard. Two, they feel like you're giving them agency. But three, you're actually controlling what's happening at that point. Mm -hmm. And they are going to work on a solution to give you what you want. How How can you know? And so, they'll end up putting that person on the phone with you. Whereas saying it the other way is more of a demand. So, a lot of this book is, is like, basically, how do, you, how do you speak to people so that you get what you want? How do you... And, and, and I think the interesting thing for me is, at, at what point when, when this author tells a story of negotiating with a car salesman, getting the price down, 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 using all these tricks, at what point is it just manipulation? At what point... <laughs> All of this stuff is just like it is it is working on human nature, right? Mm-hmm. And it is mm-hmm. it is like how do you use how how do you how do you how do you treat someone in such a way that they're willing to talk with you? Whether whether they're someone insane like a terrorist or someone who just wants to make a certain amount of money like a car salesman. Mm-hmm. They're not insane, they're not holding anyone hostage, there's no violent threats, but in that situation, how do you treat them in such a way push back in such a way that you get what you want. And and some of that is just respect for the way God made us in his image, made men in his image. And mm-hmm. some of it is, it brings up some ethical questions. Right. When do you stop driving the price down on the car? 
because because you realize that what you're doing is actually not really fair. You have an ability to manipulate people, and you'll use it for your own selfish benefit. And sometimes that means no, I I don't assume that when he drove down. I'm not assuming actually that the story he told about driving down the price on this truck he wanted, he was he was going to bankrupt the car lot or something. That he was that they were going to lose money. I don't assume that. Mm. But it, but at what point are you being irresponsible? Because you understand how to persuade, you understand how to negotiate. Right. You, you, if you listen to Scott Adams talk, it's like, yeah, I could persuade anyone of anything because I know how to do that. And that's how these guys talk. Right. And there's, there's a grossness to that because it's not grounded in love. Mm. It's not about love for their soul. It, do, it does, though, as I read it, on the, on the totally helpful side, it makes me think of all the times... I have aggressively waded into a personal relational conflict when I could have done things that were more helpful, mm-hmm. like mirroring, mm-hmm. which which just kind of lets the other person flush their emotions for a while while you just take it, and then they're willing to talk with you. And I actually remember a conflict, like a weird conflict situation with a friend where that happened once. And I didn't even, I was kind of knew what I was doing. But as he talked, he was angry about something. I thought it was absurd. I did not know how to tell him, dude, you're you're talking crazy talk. And so I kind of kept repeating back to him what he said. And then <laughs> and then at the end of the conversation, he basically said, Maybe I'm wrong in the whole way I'm framing this thing. And I never said that to him. And it was it was weird. It was like, I guess I just did that thing I read about once. <laughs> and it and it kind of happened. The guy said it would happen when he negotiated with terrorists. It's like you kind of let them empty themselves of what they want and the craziness, for lack of a better word, of what they're saying. And it's all this conflictual stuff and you're being invited into it, like, have a fight with me. I'm angry and bitter. And you're like, no, I'm just going re- to tell you what you're saying. I'm just going to present your world back to you, basically. And then at the end of that, it's like, they're spent. And suddenly, they say something that's sane. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just weird. So, I think there's a lot of useful and interesting stuff in the Overall, it makes me nervous. Chris Voss is not a Christian, but also more than it makes me nervous, I think it makes me want to know how to do conflict in a way that's useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about those kinds of things. My brother works as a police detective, and so I hear, I, I've heard all the sort of stories, and I've read a lot of articles, and I'm just generally interested in interrogation techniques and the way that they sidle up to say a child molester Mm -hmm. and make him feel like I'm your friend and the police department is your friend. And look, we already know that you did this, but you could either be framed as a horrible monster or you could give us the information you want. And then we could help people see, see and understand who you really are. I mean, (laughs) that's, that's basically, that's basically police interrogation 101. We already, yep. we already, we've already got you. Now, help, help us, us help you. Help us help you. That's right. And and especially with someone who's committed a slimy crime like that, it's help us help help you set the narrative. I'm your friend. Mm-hmm. I understand that there's reasons why you were tempted to be a child molester. I mean, they wouldn't say it like this, but but basically, I understand why there's all kinds of mitigating circumstances that make you the way you are. But in order to help the judge understand that and help the jury understand that you need to tell us all about it. You need to tell us all about it. And and meanwhile, the cops are disgusted with this human being and laughing. 
I mean, not that that's necessarily what they're doing and that's necessarily what my brother did, but it's just, it's just the standard technique and it gets results. It, it gets a lot of false positives as mm-hmm. well because you can, you can paint somebody into a corner such that they actually remember things that didn't happen. They, I mean, there's all kinds of, it's such, it's such a powerful psych- psychological technique. It can actually hypnotize mm-hmm. people in a, in a really destructive way. So I think that stuff, that kind of stuff is really interesting. It's, it, it also is frightening how, how potent, how, how malleable our brains can be. You want to believe, and you, we do believe as Christians, of course, that we're, we are whole peoples with spirits. You know, we're not just a bunch of molecules in a brain that can be programmed one way or another. But given that, people can have all kinds of influence over people and it's, it's just frightening. It's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it is. And, and part of it is like, this can be used to help people mm. bring people down from a cliff. Right. And the other part of it is, no, I can just manipulate you until you take $40,000 off that truck. Right. Whether or not you really think that's a good idea. Well, and is the technique that I would use to bring you down from a cliff, the same technique that I should use to help you have a better marriage or, do you need to actually just work through things on a level playing field to get mm-hmm. to, to get to your better marriage? You know, in other words, there's there's ways you can program people even towards a helpful quote unquote end that doesn't help them actually grow as a person or deal with their sins or the things right. that they need to change. Right. Yeah. On the internal level. Right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, my you can brainwash people into behavior modification. Right. Yeah. What what I and think the, is that behavior modification may still have positive outcomes, right? But are you actually helping somebody? Well, and there's even an additional level of complication because mm-hmm. sometimes in a counseling situation or something like that, you start by brainwashing and so that you can get them to a place of enough health where you can talk through the issues. I mean, that's not a good way to put it, but basically, you need a little bit of behavior modification to even jumpstart the process so yeah it's, I, just, it's deep waters i yeah i to, to some extent you have to negotiate with people especially if they're really angry or bitter you have to some of these techniques are just like let's get to a point where we can even talk right even have a conversation otherwise you're just going to spit at me and walk away right and that that's the part that seems really useful yeah. it's kind of like let's drain some poison here fine i'll reflect your world back to you you want to yell at me for 15 minutes i can kind of handle that if we can get to a place where we can actually talk and then talk about the issues and talk about your sin and talk about whatever actually needs to be talked about. Right. But just using it to get a, a behavior modification result mm-hmm. is not a Christian way of dealing with people. Well, and even as a pastor, as an elder, as a brother in Christ, there might be a time to say, I'm not going to let you drain, drain your poison right now, actually. Yeah, right. We just need yeah. to, we just need to right. let it fester because that's the best way to bring whatever's to actual godliness leave room for the spirit to work or to simply stand for the truth you know what i'm actually not interested in helping you right now i'm interested in what what god's truth and what 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 needs to happen here i'm interested in righteousness and that's bigger than you you draining your poison or keeping your poison yep so interesting book yeah there we go i thought about doing Voss's master class because i have a master class subscription mm-hmm but I probably won't because I just feel I'm glad for anyone who's interested in it and to be interested in it. Like I'm not, I don't know, but I, for me, I, I feel queasy about. Yeah. Same. That's yeah. why I haven't done it. Yeah. It's like, I feel 
I feel capable of being overwhelmed by those frames and suddenly seeing negotiation everywhere. And being I don't paralyzed. Be, being paralyzed between. By, yeah, I, I see getting to the end of it and feeling the power to become yeah. an absolute Unlimited monster. Power. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then being handicapped in my ability to actually be helpful to people because I see all of the tactics. Right. And I'm not mm-hmm. simply trying to help somebody and trusting God's spirit to work. Right. Mm-hmm. But which isn't to say someone couldn't, someone else couldn't read the book and benefit from it or that I think Ben shouldn't be reading it or anything like that. Well, just, it, I mean, it is significant to me that I started this book like two years ago. I haven't picked it up in a year. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. And the reason is the discomfort of like, what, what is this exactly? How do I You haven't picked it up this? in a year, but that's your night. Stand book <laughs> it that was, you brought to the table? It was it was one that I, I think I picked it up yesterday before we talked about doing this episode and looked at it again or something. Okay. I, I can't remember exactly. It's still been on my shelf, which is my way of keeping it in my mind mm-hmm. yeah. as a thing that interests me because it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Just one that I wanted to talk about more than anything. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting stuff. Yeah. I just don't like feeling that kind of... I, I remember the first time in my life that a girl really responded to me as a teenager, responded to what essentially was my emotional manipulation, but I wasn't framing it that way. Mm-hmm. But 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 I was being very emotionally charming and interesting and interested in her and all that kind of stuff that you do to get a girl. And suddenly she was head over heels in love with me. And I was just like, oh man, I I think of myself as such a loser. Like why would any girl be interested in me? And in point of fact, I am a loser and no girl should be interested in me. But I have this power. I can find girls, the right kind of girl, and mm-hmm. just make her interested in me. And that's that's not a power that I want. I feel like when I finish this book, I want to have an actual episode. Talk about Scott Adams and his hypnotism, maybe. I don't know. Scott Adams is really a very arrogant about... He's like, if I wanted to be president, all, I could be president. No, all those guys are. And it's really yeah. gross. It's really gross and creepy. Well, well, the arrogance is part of their brand. It's part of their, I mean, a guy like Scott Adams, if he says, if I wanted to be president, I could because I have this power. The point isn't the claim. The point is getting you to believe that he's that potent and powerful. And so getting you to latch onto him. Which if Scott Adams was evaluating Scott Adams is the first thing that Scott Adams would point out about Scott Adams. Exactly right. He, it's part of his tactic to get you to get you and your impotence latched onto him as a powerful man who y- you have much to learn from. Right. And so the the more, it, all these guys use those tactics for that reason. They, they posture themselves as being so potent and powerful and they don't need anybody or anything and they can do whatever they want. If they wanted it, they could have it. And in fact, point of fact, they have exactly what they want because they are that much in control of themselves and their lives and the people around them. Yeah. And so that's all a part of their posturing. And it's varying degrees of gross and disgusting. And the, but that's part of the draw is what they are trying to do is attract people to themselves that want to feel like they have that level of control. So sure. they're just always looking for the guru. That's right. You know, that they can look up to that has the level of potency that they wish they had themselves. Right. Yeah. It's part of why I'd, I don't bother with Scott. Adams anymore very much. Mm-hmm. What came to my mind was the super apostles, mm-hmm. <laughs> the so-called super apostles that Paul dealt with, people who are masters of rhetoric and persuasion yeah. and who are smooth and charismatic. And Paul, 
He's not. Mm. <laughs> Except that he also is. Except that he also is. <laughs> right. Yeah, but in the right way. Right. Because what I imagine yeah. is those guys being more like Scott Adams. Right. Actually. Yeah. I have a Scott Adams book on my on my nightstand too. By the way, some of our listeners might be like Scott, Who's Scott Adams? Adams. Well, they might. They're probably some of them are like the Dilbert guy. Yes, the yep. Dilbert guy. The Dilbert, Dilbert guy. guy around 2016 moved into being a self help and slash political guru. He lost a, about a third of his income when he said Trump was going to win the election, which he called accurately, and um, he's been angry about it ever since. <laughs> but he's leveraged that anger into a massive, uh, like a online following, sort of a, a cult as yeah. a as a um, independent thinker and as a yeah, and that's mm-hmm. how he postures himself as a as a basically liberal person, but a free thinker. So because of that, he has a large conservative following, and he just tries to. Posture himself as the most credible man mm. on the internet, the person who's going to evaluate a- absolutely everything without bias and just sort of, you know, matter of factly and going to pose some thought experiments and some questions. And well, if you wanted to do this, how would you do it? Well, it would look kind of like what it looks now. So, you know, maybe that's a manipulation tactic. And actually, this, you know, he's just going to mm-hmm. be that kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to be cold as cold as possible so that you get the sense that he's using nothing but cold, rational logic, while at the same time telling you that no one is ever persuaded by cold, rational logic. And that we're not logical creatures. Yeah. (laughs) And using that sense of his own potency and his own rationality to get you to just listen to what he has to say and adopt his perspective or point of view yeah i mean he's also a professional humorist which means he can make all that stuff go down a lot better than the average guru in my mind yeah i don't just i'm not just annoyed the second i look at him which is true of some of the guys in the quote-unquote independent yep. journalism or independent oh, yeah. thinking is just like oh man this guy's obnoxious yeah yeah but scott adams is just a dweeby little funny guy so so his his macho I, posturing is pretty effective yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i i prefer actually to to listen to people that set me on edge to start with, who's posturing. Because you're always on guard. Great. Yeah, because I just have at least one one fist up or one eyebrow raised at all times. Where with Scott Adams, it's super easy to just be lulled in. Yeah. And to not, and just, oh, well, I just always adopt Scott's, you know, general, even toned, nothing matters. There's nothing at stake. I can think about this rationally, posture, and... Uh, there's nothing gross about the way he approaches it. So there's nothing gross about the way I approach it. And then you get kind of sucked into this sort of like uh, latent, nothing matters. And I can just, you know, I don't know. Just, that's the kind of grossness I want to stay away from actually. Mm-hmm. 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 I just stand outside of everything. Yeah. And the perfect example of that is after Chauvin, the Chauvin trial, Scott Adams was just like, so above it all. So, Hmm. you know, deliciously pragmatic about, well, of course the jury had to make that decision because that's the country that we live in. And I don't remember all of his yeah, points, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. he did not. What, yeah. what I like about him is when he gets morally indig- indignant, it's a lot of fun because yeah. he is a human being who has a moral sense. His moral sense is actually pretty good when he lets it be. And so sometimes he'll just get mad. And that's usually when he starts saying a bunch of bad words, but he's often at his best around those times because he he, he is he, i mean he's the dilbert guy right he'll, he, he'll point out a hypocrisy yeah he hates and hypocrisy evil. and mm-hmm. he's yeah n- nobody's better as far as 
as our as our old pastor would say, a bird dog. Uh, he he just is relentless and destroying hypocrisy, and that can be a lot of fun. Yeah, it can be fun. The problem for me, even when he does that, is I never know if he's just I I I don't trust in, that anything he does is sincere. It's even not. his bouts of righteous anger. I think eh, they're kind of they they may just as well be put on as anything else and part of the show and. I, so. I think they are because the next day or the next week, he'll be talking about those same issues and he'll be taking the opposite side or just being sort of laissez-faire about it. And um, they almost also seem timed, mm-hmm. right? Like in a calculated. Anytime he's afraid he's going to lose his conservative audience. He gets he'll have a righteous gets, anger rant, yeah. rant and they just seem super calculated, everything about it. Listening, I, I listened to Scott Adams not daily, but almost daily for just a period of maybe six six months. Mm-hmm. That was enough, you know. As a, he so. has any number of frames that are helpful. And he's, and he's yeah. helpful to go back to, especially when there's something that you just don't know how to think about yeah. or just need a kickstart in thinking about, hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, anytime there's something like the Robin Hood thing or something like that where you're just like, uh, this is such a complicated political thing, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not, and then there's it's so divisive, and there's so much punditry on either side. I just need somebody to kind of cut through it and and give me some place to start thinking about. Yeah, it. and that's exactly where he's super helpful. He's very helpful on those, kinds and that's of really the niche that he's carved for himself. Right. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I I, I do appreciate that, and I appreciate. I, I, I don't trust anybody on either side, and it feels too complicated and above my pay grade. That's what Scott Adams exists to live to mm-hmm. to do. He exists to live exactly in that tension, specifically at the point of politics. Right. Yeah. And I and I'm just I can't hear that from an alpha. I need an alpha beta. So I'm 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 thankful that that's what Scott Adams is. (laughs) I just couldn't handle it if he was too one of these really red pilly kind of guys. Well, guys, we haven't finished Sanity Shelf, but we've gone over our allotted time. So I think we're going to have to make Sanity Shelf into a two parter. Cool. Maybe we'll make it a three-parter. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, this could be great. All right. We'll be back next week with more of your favorite segment on the show. Once again, it's the segment where we go to everyone's shelves and we look at the books that they've been reading on their night tables. And the segment is called Sanity Shelves because we only keep sane things on our shelves. All right. Do we though? Like <laughs> well, like dust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And precious moments figurines. <laughs> yep. Dust and precious moments. <laughs> and empty beer bottles. Empty <laughs> beer bottles. <laughs> All right, folks, go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity to support this show to get great behind the scenes content and extra bonus stuff. And for us to tell you exactly how to think, because we do, do even more of that over there. And uh, so if you just need someone to hypnotize you into thinking the right thing, so you never have to think for yourself, patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity until next time stay sane